the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible says that he will take you from being a person who is spiritually dead to being a person who is spiritually alive and that he will be your God and you will be his people, that he will fully accept you, he will fully forgive you, and he will never let that relationship change. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. There are a lot of things that people will run to when suffering and hard times and pain comes. And some people run to alcohol. Some people run to drugs. Some people bury themselves in their work. Some people will run to their spouse. Some people will run to their children. But with those deepest needs, the one person we need to run to, we choose not to, and that is Jesus Christ. He can help us. He is able to help us. He wants to help us. But that help comes as we, as we take that step of faith to recognize and admit that he is the authority over all of life, our lives and the people that we love. And it really is enough. It really is enough just for you and your friends to take those needs in prayer and plead with Jesus to help. It's enough. It doesn't feel like enough, but it's enough. And when we express that kind of model faith in Jesus as the author of life, and we prove that through our attitudes, through our actions, and through our words, then it frees up space for God to work and to come in and to meet those needs. John 9, or John 6, 66 through 69. After this, many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We've come to know that you are God, the author of life. You have authority over all things. Who else would we go to? If you're in one of those seasons of pain, whether it's the the pain of an illness, something that's outside of your control, or whether it's someone who's close to you that is suffering and it's outside of your control, then I want to challenge you to approach Jesus Christ as the authority over all of life and to prove you believe that by continuing to pursue a personal relationship with him, that you will allow that pain 
to push you towards him and not to abandon him. You can do that by continuing in faith to read your Bible, continuing in faith to pray, continuing in faith to take what you learn as you spend time in his word, apply it to its life, your life. Let your attitudes, your actions, and your words reflect what the Bible say they should be. Just simply living in obedience to God's word. And then I would say take another step and pursue that relationship with Christ in the context of relationship. In relationship with other believers in Jesus Christ. That's done through the local church. Let me say that again. That is done through the local church. That you have a group of people and believers that you love and you attend worship with them. You have some that you would commit to studying the Bible with. For example, being in a community group or a home group. And you have a group of believers within the local church that you are serving with in some capacity. That you would prove that you recognize Jesus as that authority over life by pursuing a personal relationship with him in your private life and in community with other believers. Now, some would challenge me and say, Nick, you don't have to be a Christian and go to church. Technically, that's true. But this is also true. If you're not united with a group of believers worshiping Jesus together, serving together, living out your faith together, then you will not be able to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's something you never desire, year after year after year, you really do have to ask the question, is my faith in Christ genuine? Because when God saves us, he saves us into a community of faith for the purpose of advancing his mission together. And when we are locked into that community of faith, pursuing a relationship with Christ together, our faith will be strengthened. And it will be a better representation of that model faith that the centurion exhibits as he's pleading for the health of his friend. Continue pursuing a relationship with Christ during difficult times. So, trust your friends to take your burdens to Jesus. Recognize Jesus' authority over life. And then leverage your faith for the benefit of others. Look at these last two verses in 9 and 10. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not in Israel have I, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who, had sent, who were sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. This, this verse 10 is telling so these, these Jewish elders and these friends, they came back and they discovered to their surprise that the man was made whole, that he was healed, that he was well. What that tells us is that even as they were communicating a message of faith from the centurion, they never believed that Jesus was going to do it. The crowd that followed Jesus did not express any great faith. The elders and the friends did not have faith. And here's what's interesting to me. Not even the man who was healed expressed any faith in Jesus. Only the centurion did. 
Now, this faith, it's alive. It's active. It's not tangible. It's not like a piece of gold that you can grasp and you can hold in your hands and know that you can do great good for yourself and for a lot of people. But it's just as real as that gold. And according to Peter, it's more precious than that gold. It's more valuable than our gold than that gold. And we can demonstrate and express the kind of faith that benefits other people, just like the centurion's faith benefited this man with healing when this man did not even believe in Jesus. It is a beautiful thing when we take something of value to us and use it for the benefit of others. And I would would suggest to you that we don't have much uh, value beyond. There, comparatively, and our faith may be the most valuable thing that we have, that it connects us to the God of this universe, our creator. Then we have other things we value. I'm a parent. I have a parent of athletes. I've been in the sports world my entire life. I understand it. My boys play basketball for their high school. One plays volleyball. My daughter plays flag football for her middle school and it's a girls flag football team and I like to mess with my boys and say hey this is great out of all three kids in my family the only one who's interested in playing football is my daughter way to go boys but here's what it's like when you get to the high school level it's very competitive and it should be there there is a level of sports When you're told you can't play anymore and it comes for different people at different times in high school is one of those competitive times where a lot of people told me your days of playing basketball are over and the coach's objective is to win and he wants to play the best players. It is his moment and it is his privilege to pick who does and who doesn't play. The players work hard to earn a spot on the team. And if they even get one minute, you take that minute and you make the most of that moment for yourself and for your team. And the fans, the fans are the most unreasonably self-centered of, of all. I'll sit up there and, and I, I won't even pay attention to the game if my kid's not in. And I'll get grumpy if he's not playing. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. It's such a self-centered world, but occasionally... You have all these things that are of value, the, the, the competition, the hard work, 
the achieving of goals, the working together of a team, those things that are earned by the people who have made a contribution and they will give up their opportunity for the benefit of someone else. And it's one of the things that I love about sports. I want you to see that kind of story now. And I know you guys get tired of me. It's little things. Coach Peter Morales of the Coronado High School Thunderbirds in El Paso, Texas, makes no qualms about it. He has a favorite on this team. Mitchell, I need you. I need you to help me out with my coaching tips, Mitchell. Team manager Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three. But he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game. He's this amazing person that our basketball team loves being around. Yay! Mitchell's mom, Amy, says he's always been that way. Mitchell always had a basketball. That was always what he wanted for his birthday. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. What was it like to put on the uniform? I was very happy. I bet you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game. For his moment, yes. For his moment in time, yes. And so, with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10, Coach Morales put in his manager. And just started hearing Mitchell, Mitchell. But here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot, or, like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. He wasn't going to be able to score. But I was hoping that he was happy that he was just put in the game. Could you have ever imagined what happened next? No, I did. I could not. Not at all. What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School, number 22, Jonathan Montanez. Uh, I, just, I was raised to treat others how you want to be treated. Just thought Mitchell deserved his chance, deserves his opportunity. I think I'll cry about it for the rest of my life. What Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it, right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly. Play any game with this much sportsmanship. Both teams win. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in El Paso, Texas. So, uh, for that coach, for his teammates, for the player on the other team, for all of the fans who celebrated that moment, They had all made sacrifices. They had all worked hard to get where they were. And that was truly their moment that they had earned to either give away or to keep for themselves. And they chose this thing that was of great value to them. And they chose to use it for somebody else's benefit. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more valuable than the faith that you have received that has enabled you to trust Jesus Christ to meet your needs for your salvation. But that faith that you have was never intended to be used just for your benefit. 
Now, I would be the first to say you have to pray for yourself in your own needs. If you don't, all you're communicating to God is I don't need you. And so you've got to pray for yourself in, in itself. That's not a selfish thing. But if that's all you pray for is your wants, your desires, things that benefit you, then there may be a level of selfishness there that the Holy Spirit wants to push you past so that you begin exercising your faith, not just in a way that benefits you, but in a way that benefits others. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in a negative way. In Matthew 17, verses 19, there was a demon-possessed man, and the disciples could not heal him. And Jesus said, you couldn't heal him because your faith was lacking. You had little faith. It wasn't the faith of the man who was healed. It was the disciples' faith. In Mark 2, 5, a paralytic man was lowered down from the roof to Jesus' feet. And Jesus healed that man because of the faith of his friends. He says, because of their faith, I will heal you. And then we come to Acts 3, 6 through 8, where another paralytic man was begging outside of the temple, and Peter and John healed him, and there's no indication that he believed in Jesus either. That it was Peter and John's faith that provided the healing for that man. And he lifted, and Peter... He didn't even show any signs that he believed he was healed. Peter yanked him up by his arms, and as he yanked him up, his feet and his legs became strong. And we see it all throughout Scripture, that the faith of those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ benefits the people around them when they will leverage that faith for the benefit of other people. And I would encourage you to find ways to express your faith in a way that does benefit others. What, are, what, what does it look like? I think when you take a step of faith to give of your time, your finances, your resources, your talents, but when you step out in faith to use those in Jesus' name for, other benef- for the benefit of others, that's when it happens. For some, they, they would open their homes up for foster care. Others may have the opportunity to to support through prayer and finances, someone going on a short-term mission trip. For others, it might be serving with one of our local missions partners in the women's place or uh, with the boys' home or with one of the many other ministries that we work with to provide for the physical needs of people in our community. One simple way to do that is make a commitment to, to give to the Unified Missions Fund here at our church. When you give to the Unified Missions Fund, 100% of that money will go to help feed the homeless in our community, to provide for needs of orphans and and foster care parents in our community. We are now involved in a partnership that allows us to help work towards putting an end to human trafficking. And that doesn't even begin to mention the missions partners we have across the world that are starting churches and ministering to people uh, with addictions and, and trying to shine the light of Jesus in their community. You received a card when you came in for the Unified Missions Fund. If you haven't did that and you want to take one simple step to start leveraging your faith for the benefit of others, that would be a way that you could do that. If none of those ways stirs your heart, then ask God to stir something up in your heart 
that you can take action on for the benefit of others, believing that if you take that step as an act of faith in Jesus Christ, that he will make it acceptable to him and that he will then use that to work for the benefit of others. And as we look at these three ways that the centurion responded, the trusting your friends with your burdens and and have them take those to Jesus, recognizing Jesus' authority over life and leveraging your faith for the benefit of others, we see the picture of one who has a model faith that Jesus lifted up. And I believe that we can have that kind of faith too. By God's grace, we can have that kind of faith. There is this glaring and serious question that must hang over every room when the issue of healing comes up. And it's why doesn't God heal everybody? I remember as a young pastor visiting week after week, this precious little girl, Macy Donnelly Cott, who was diagnosed with leukemia. We had many, I visited in her home at the University of North Carolina. Her parents loved Jesus. Our church was pleading on her behalf. Yet I found myself standing over that tiny casket because Jesus chose not to provide healing. And there's a couple things that you need to remember that it really isn't God's plan to heal everyone. One of the purposes behind healing in the New Testament and in the Bible is so that others would see how great Jesus is and it would turn to him to salvation, which is a much greater need than momentary healing. I don't know why he chooses to heal some and not others, but I do know this, that the healing is temporary. That centurion servant, he got sick again and then he died. Everyone who's ever been healed in the Bible got sick again, and then they died. And everyone who has been healed from that time forward by Jesus has then gotten sick and died. And one day, that's going to be the end of our story too. The momentary healing was never Jesus's main point, focus, or purpose. It was to draw others unto him for salvation. The healing just helped them see how great of a God he was so that they would turn to him. And we know that the faith issue is the main point of this story and not the healing issue because Jesus never even speaks the words of healing. But here's what he does do. The only time he, one of the only times he speaks in this passage, he's talking to the friends, the elders, and and they're sharing with him this story. And then in amazement, he turns around to those who are following him and he says this, I have not even seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. This guy who has no connection to the Jewish people or the stories of the Messiah, somehow he has believed in faith that I am the Savior. And all of you haven't even believed that. For Jesus, the issue was always about faith. And you may be here this morning, and you may be one of those who benefited from the faith of another believer. Somebody may have prayed for you and you received healing. Somebody may have prayed for your finances and you saw those finances come through. You may have had some other benefit 
that God has gifted you with because someone who loved Jesus was praying for you. But be sure of this. You may be able to benefit from your friend's faith, but you cannot depend on your friend's faith to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ to experience his salvation and his forgiveness. You can only use your faith for that. And so in in the middle of all the challenges that I've laid out for you today and in the applications for these different steps, I I wanna speak to those who may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's how you can do that. One, you go to God and you talk to him. And as you're talking to him, you admit to him that you're a sinner. Not that you're a good person who sometimes does bad things, but you truly are a broken sinner and and you have sinned against him. And, And what does that mean? It means you've not lived in obedience to him. It means you've broken his law. It means that at the very core of who you are, that you're something that he can't accept if you just come as you are. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.